Welcome, all of you wine and true crime lovers. This is an update for the episode that we're putting out tonight. So this episode over the Idaho murders and the Ted Bundy tapes with my guest, Stephen Michaud, was supposed to be going out the very 1st of January. Well, as everyone knows, there was a break in the case today. There was an arrest made. Um, Brian Koberger, 28 years old, was arrested by Pennsylvania State Police. Um, Moscow PD issued an arrest warrant for first degree murder. Um, he is being held without bond in Pennsylvania. Uh, Koberger is a PhD student at Washington State University, which is approximately uh, 12 to 15 minutes from the crime scene. Uh, DNA, his DNA matched the DNA found um, at the murder scene of the four Idaho um, university students. So at this point, um, we are going to release that episode tonight, um, but with just sort of this caveat introduction of where things stand as of today. Um, so just be aware when you when you're listening to the episode, um, it is um, a, a generalization of the case. Um, and, and Stephen Michaud, my guest, um, brings a, some insight into, um, you know, we, we talk about who could have done this, what could have happened? Is this a targeted attack? Um, you know, wh- what does the profiling tell us of the behavior of this person and his experience um, sitting down with the, the Ted Bundy um, executed by um, electric chair in 1989? He uh, sat down with him. And um, then became the Bundy tapes, as you can see on Netflix. So um, we are going to release this episode tonight. Where this stands, um, there was a press conference today with Moscow PD. Um, they weren't answering much. What what they did tell us was that there are uh, four charges of first degree murder against Koberger um, and also one count of felony burglary. So that tells us that they don't believe he was invited in or um, was there for any other reason. This was a break in. Um, so um, also that first degree um, felony burglary charge. So five charges um, right now, first degree murder for all four victims and the burglary charge. Now he can either now he's in Pennsylvania. So um, what they do, what we do know is they were trailing him for about four or five days. Now, um, this, we don't know how they got his DNA to match. Um, there was DNA found at the scene. They were able to either retrieve, you know, I once, as they said today in that press conference, there's a lot we don't know. There's a lot they can't say. This is an active investigation. This is like they said in the press conference, this is really just the beginning of, of finding out why this happened What was the motive behind this? There was also that question asked in the press conference today of whether or not he asked law enforcement when he was arrested if anyone else had been arrested in this case. Now, to some people, that could mean, was there another accomplice? Was there someone working with him? Or being a PhD um, student and and having a master's degree in criminology, he understands our criminal system. 
And so asking that question can also imply that he's trying to deviate um, and, and separate himself from the crime scene as though someone else was there. And really just kind of coming up with, it can mean a multitude, multitude of things that the defense can actually use um, if and when this goes to trial. So uh, he can either choose to waive extradition um, and be returned back to Idaho to face these charges, or he can refuse. And at that point, this will take a while because Idaho will have to file the right proper paperwork in order to get him back over to Idaho and, and face these charges. So um, right now, we only know what we know. All I can say is that I am just, um, you know, in, in a lot of these cases we cover, police, there's information that's leaked. There's stories that come out that may not even be true um, because people say something to someone else and say a family member told them this. And then, you know, kind of like the game of telephone and and, and new um, and really what and really what's being said is not true. Um, so law enforcement was very they kept a lot of this tight to the vest. They didn't let a lot out to the public. Um but they did say in this press conference today that they do not believe that the public is in any, in any danger. The community is not in danger, which leads me to believe that um, he may be the only perpetrator in this case. But again, I, I, I could be mistaken, but um, I feel very confident that they feel like they have the right guy um, and that they are going to um, be doing uh, their due diligence and, and finding out who he is, who he truly is. How did he know these these four individuals, um, and and how and why um, this played out this way? Um, court. The, we also found out today that the court asked for the cleanup to stop of the crime scene. Right, so they have the crime scene. It's been taped off. They they've been doing their job and and keeping people out, keeping things quiet. Um, and so they basically said they were ready to turn the house back over. Um, they were finished with the crime scene, but then the court today asked for that to be stopped. So um, the house will stay as it is um, still uh, blocked off with crime scene tape. Um, so we'll be, we'll be listening for that information and see if anything additional comes out, any additional evidence and if they looking for more DNA um, you know, what are they looking for? The other thing they mentioned was they're still looking for the murder weapon. Uh, the knife that was used, um, they have not found that knife. Now they did put a search warrant out on his apartment. So he lived just about 10 minutes from the university he attended in Washington state. So, um, I, I believe this is all within maybe like a 10 to 20 mile radius. It's not very far at all from, from the crime scene um, to his apartment. So um, we'll also, so they're looking for that. So we're, I wonder if they're going to find that knife um, in that search, you know, we, it, Clearly, when he, after he committed this crime, he drove that white Elantra back to Pennsylvania. Um, and that is where um, that was the car that they were that they were looking for. Um, and they were able to identify him by that vehicle. So with their hard work, keeping things close to the vest, uh, working on all of the 19,000 tips that the public brought in. And, and, you know, we always have people on this show that talk about the importance of social media, people coming forward when they see something, when they hear something that maybe just maybe 
um, you know, a, a distant relative, or maybe they've encountered this guy. Police want you to come forward. They want you to come forward if you know this man, if he's approached you at any time. Um, it, it seems he put a Reddit out for uh, in order to maybe run some sort of um, self-study type things in criminology and get information from other people about crime scenes and how they handle it. And so this is very, this is very psychological. Um, so I am curious to what is going to come out in this guy's background and also find out who, if anyone else he has had interactions with. And really the main question, how did he know these four did he know it? Did he know them? Was it the house he was targeting? Was it the people he was targeting? Um, and what and why? Why? And he's and he is he's older than these four students. Um, you know, did he did he cross paths with them somewhere? Um, there, I know there's a lot of spec speculation out there on social media. I want to encourage you to stick with the facts. Listen to what the police are saying. Um, be watching for any updates um, from, um, you know, they've asked the media to be very involved in getting these words out and because they have to hold things, um, you know, t it, you know, hold these things in tight when it comes to the court system. And, you know, they would never want to give um, any chance for it to backfire on them. So I encourage you just to keep following this case, but I am going to go ahead and release this episode tonight um, so you can hear me and Stephen Michaud talk about the Bundy tapes and the Idaho murders. Welcome to Texas Wine and True Crime. I'm your host, Brandy. We are kicking off the new week here at Texas Wine and True Crime by discussing a case that everyone is reading about, blogging about, talking about, and that is the murder of four college students in Idaho. I couldn't think of a better person to share their insight and thoughts about this case than Stephen Michaud. As you all know, Stephen was with us once before discussing his new book, Robert's Story, A Texas Cowboy's Troubled Life and Horrifying Death. You also know him from the Bundy Tapes, which you can catch on Netflix. Stephen sat down with the infamous serial killer for 100 plus hours while he was sitting on death row. Stephen, thank you for being here with me today once again. Good to hear your voice again, Brandy, and Happy New Year. Yes, Happy New Year to you. Um, I know our listeners are excited that you're back. Um, so many requests the, after the first time you came on the show. Um, and then you and I started talking about um, Ted Bundy, since his name is being brought up um, in, in these Idaho murders as some sort of comparison, which we'll get into in a bit. So I'm really glad you're here just to to share your experiences, your knowledge, Um and and really, how was it sitting down with Bundy and and talking um, with him? So, uh, thanks again for being here. But Stephen, I was I was hoping maybe we could give a little bit of a um, just a, a brief summary of the Idaho murders and, and really what's in the news right now for our listeners um, before we before we jump in. If that's okay with you? Well, yeah, I uh, I, I don't know. Uh, anything more about the, the available facts than anybody else. But uh, this the story in brief is that six college uh, kids, uh, five young co-eds and a, and a male, uh, were together in a house in, uh, in Idaho where they all went to college together. Mm -hmm. And <clears throat> one night, somebody or, or some people came in 
and killed four of them, uh, and for some reason left the uh, two females, two of the five females, alive. And it, in the aftermath of this crime, which for which so far there has been nobody named as a, a sub as a subject, as a, a, a the police have not named who they're looking for, if anybody. The okay. police have not talked about with any authority uh, what the motive might have been. In fact, the police, I'll say right here, have done a good job of not talking at all. Often the police have more to say than they, they should have in a case like this. But where Bundy comes in is this case looks a lot like another case for which Bundy is probably most famous, and that was the, the murder in in uh, 1979 of uh, <clears throat> of a group of Chi Omega sorority sisters at the uh, <clears throat> at uh, Florida State University uh, who were asleep in their beds in their their uh, sorority and Bundy <clears throat> crept into the building and assaulted them with a, a, a stick that he had picked up as he walked through uh, a, an open door uh in the first floor of the uh, of the building and 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 he was not identified for quite a while um and 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 the the apparent violence of the two crimes uh the fact that these women were sleeping alone or together in in this building um makes people think of ted i think that that comparison is a little bit superficial it's not that Ted could not have committed that crime. We know he didn't because Ted's no longer with us. Mm-hmm. But could he have? Could this been, have been his type of crime? And I would, with uh, with some reservations, would say, yeah, it's possible. So this started back. This happened back on November thirteenth, and we, you and I, had have talked about this time. So we know right. that the people that the four are killed between three and four a.m. In the home um, that five women lived in. So just so everyone understands, the male that is actually, um, which is one of the victims, his name is Ethan. He does not live in the home. He is the boyfriend of of Zana, one of the other victims, and he's just spending the night. So they are located on the third floor. The two other female victims are located on the second floor. And then on the very first floor, we have the two female victims, or excuse me, the two female roommates um, that were untouched and and were sleeping. Right. Um, so police have what, and you're right, they haven't said much. Um, even some of the victims' families have come out and said they wish police would even tell them more, but they are really keeping... Um, you know, tight lipped about a lot of the information. One of those, and what, and and one thing I brought up to you was who was killed first. How, you know, we know they were all stabbed based on the autopsy reports. They were all stabbed by a large knife, which has not been recovered. Um, police have said there was no sexual assault based on the autopsies. So, because you sat down with Ted Bunny and you and, and most most or all of his crimes were sexually motivated. Could this still be a sexually motivated crime without the sexual assault? Would something have had to interrupt that? What are, what are your thoughts about that? Well, uh, I could see a, a scenario where the 
the intended sexual assault on one or more of the victims uh, was interrupted for s- somehow. Uh, and for instance, the fact that two were not were not uh, harmed at all. In fact, I don't believe he even entered their room. Uh, argues for it. Perhaps he perhaps he was interrupted. He was on his way there, and something happened that scared him off, or whatever. That's pure speculation. Uh-huh. But I will tell you that. Uh, this is the sort of crime that is fueled by a fantasy, uh, most typically a sexual fantasy, but the fantasy clearly involves violence. And the fantasy probably, uh, if this was a single person, not acting with, uh, with a partner or with other people, or if it was not a, a specific revenge crime or hate crime against one or more of the people uh, who were killed, then fantasy is is what drove it, and this was been going through this guy's head for maybe years before he actually acted out. You must remember, however, that maybe this is not the first time he acted out. Maybe he has done something like this in the past. Maybe not the same crime, but a similar crime, uh, and that would make him a serial killer. If his only crime. That, that, that ever was committed, whether we know about it or not, was this one, this paroxysm of, of, of anger, and, and anger is obviously there, uh, then he's, he's not, uh, strictly speaking, a serial killer. He's a mass killer. So I'm, I'm you know, it's, I, I've read different reports about the two women that were on the bottom floor, the fir- what was considered the first floor in the home and and not being harmed or touched or even waking up during during the during the murders. Um, right. I've also looked at pictures of this house. So based on what police say, they believe that the perpetrator or perpetrators we um, we don't know. They haven't said if they're looking for one person, if they're looking for two people. Um, right. I have noticed though that they're not saying they're looking for multiple weapons. Do you feel like that's something they would have come out and said already if there was more than one weapon? Only if they thought that would suit their investigative goals. If there was something, if there was some kind of weapon used that clearly was kind of different, like an Australian, you know, uh, boomerang or something like that, Mm -hmm. um, that they might mention it. But they, they did say it was a large hunting knife i believe they called it a hunting knife it was a not a large kitchen knife but a large hunting knife uh, i believe that's correct mm-hmm. and, I, and coincidentally uh bundy on the last two weeks of that he was at large uh was also going around with a large hunting knife uh that he had purchased in a in a hunting uh, goods store in in uh in florida and the the assumption is that he bought the knife because he intended to kill somebody. He it is not clear if he used that knife, but he certainly had it with him. This is a kind of a long way of saying that <clears throat> the fact that the police said a large knife was used <clears throat> means that they 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 at least buy into the idea that he went in there with that knife to harm or or more likely to kill people. So they know he enters with. Um this not, I mean, we're, I'm going to, I'm going to assume it's a male. Um, yeah. I, I could be wrong, but, but I'm just going to assume it's a male. He enters through the sliding glass door, which is actually on the second floor. Right. Um, and it, in, in 
they believe he enter, had to enter through the kitchen, which is if you see pictures, the door, once you yeah. open that sliding door, you're into the kitchen. Um, two of the females were found um, on that second floor. And um, that was Madison and Kaylee. And then Ethan and Zana were on the third floor. So if they entered onto the second floor, you know, I, I think about the sounds. I think about screaming. I think about, you know, how, how you know, if you're, if you're a person reading about this case or trying to, you know, figure it out, you know, wasn't someone making noise? Why didn't the girls on the first floor wake up? You know, was it? But then, but then you and I talked about this, how when Bundy went in to that Chi Omega house, he had a stick, right? And he it, was bludgeoning them and, and nobody right. really heard anything. So it was very, yeah, very fast. And I, we, we should inter, in, interject here that it sounds like a lot, but you can, you can bludgeon that many people or, or, or kill them uh, pretty quickly if you're, if you're fast about it. Uh, it's, uh, it's, it's not a necessarily time consuming thing to do. Uh, and I will add one other thing here is that he definitely there, Ted definitely was sexually motivated at the Chi Omega house. There was no doubt about, uh, the, the wounds of what, what he was all about. So that was a, that was a feature of what he was doing, but let me add here that he ted as you just pointed out went through or not ted this this unknown killer uh this unknown subject uh seems to have gone through a sliding glass door in the kitchen well bundy went through a sliding glass door uh in the rec room at the chi omega house he was following girls coming home from going to a bar that night he didn't know any of them but he apparently had danced with a few of them at this bar and and uh, and he was drunk. He was out uh, kind of wandering around. In fact, he was looking for somebody else to kill uh, that he had picked out when these girls all sort of uh, 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 grabbed his attention, if you will, at once. So going back to the case in Idaho. So maybe this guy's out there and he's he's just case case in the place. And you see somebody go in or out that that. Uh, that sliding glass door for whatever reason and just went in to see what was going on. That's a bit, it's essentially what Ted did. Yeah. Which I told you, you know, very brazen, very, and, and especially to me, three to 4 AM, which is, which when I, when I was watching the Bundy tapes and reading about this, this is around the time that Bundy, committed the Chi Omega was at three o'clock in the morning, which they said was not unusual for people to be walking up and down um, and going into doors and, 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 and coming in for the night at that time. And, and we know in Idaho, the, the four victims, they were together earlier in the day. In fact, one of the victims had posted a picture of all four of them on her social media before they all went out for the night but they were not together the, the not that night. Two of them, um, t- uh, Madison and Kaylee, were together at a bar, and Ethan and Zana were with other people, other places. They all just ended up back at the house around the same time, which was one forty-five a.m. Right, right. Well, the, the here's a similarity. Uh, Bundy didn't know where those girls walking through that door had been from. He knew some of them from the bar. Uh, and he could hear them, probably overhear them talking. But there were girls at that Chi Omega house. It was a weekend night. 
were coming home from dates and they didn't all go to the same bar. Uh, he was just watching girls go in and, and it was never ever established that Bundy had any personal contact with any of those victims in that house that night. Um, uh, even the most, the wildest one, except that he could have actually been peeping the house, uh, in 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 uh, in advance of of the uh, of the murders, because Ted was a peeper, uh, like a lot of these guys are. So you you cannot base again based on what we know, uh, you can't eliminate the fact that that Bundy uh, had been watching this house for quite some time, or not Bundy, but whoever whoever mm-hmm. committed crimes had been watching the house and 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 looked at it as a a, a good target. Uh, for committing the crimes he wanted to commit, whether they were immediately sexually motivated or just by anger, uh, wouldn't really matter. I want to add here something, by the way, that doesn't get discussed in this conversation, and that is that uh, Bundy actually had an earlier connection with the state of uh, with the state of Idaho when he was. Uh, finally put to death in late January of 1989, he started giving police from various jurisdictions stories about what he had done, hoping to trade uh, confessions for a, a, uh, a reprieve in his, his uh, sentence. And one of the places that he said you need to call and bring a, a detective down here to Florida is the state of Idaho. And they did. They brought a guy down. And uh, Ted said, I uh, I murdered uh, a, a 12-year-old girl. Uh, I think she was 12 uh, in a little town. And I committed another killing. And I also uh, was caught in an upper floor of a campus building that sounded a whole lot like a dormitory and was, and was escorted out. And so you have a case where Bundy, uh, you know, hours before he was being executed, said, I got into a, uh, a multi-story building of some sort at a campus in the state of Idaho. And I think we can all guess that Ted wasn't in there looking to get a cup of coffee. Uh, so he, Ted might have at one point uh, had it in his head to do exactly the, the crime or something very similar to the crime that we're talking about. Uh later this Chi Omega crime, which he did commit. And he also killed a 12-year-old girl in Florida uh, at about the same time he did the Chi case. So there's another parallel. What do you do with it, right? Yeah. You know, you mentioned peeping, right? right. Him watching. And, you know, I always say when we do these shows, when when you look at the victims, you know, sometimes if you look and see what they were doing 24 to 48 hours before they were killed, it can give you at least an idea of who they were around, who they were talking to, anything yeah. that was said. And so, you know, I, I so to say that all four of them are out and about. And if, if, like you said, someone sees them, finds them attractive, catches their eye, they could have just followed them. They could have just observed them through the night. They may have not even known who they are. You know, the, the coincidence of, of one of the girls um, was leaving town the next day to go and visit her family. Um, yeah. they're, they're, you know, just those could just be 
you know, just a coincidence that, you know, was was she targeted? And this is another thing police haven't said, who was killed first, which I told you would be, well, as as someone, as an outsider, not a, not a police officer, um, that that to me is important to know. At least hopefully they know that because what if one was stabbed 20 times and one was stabbed three times? Was there more well, of a target on one of these victims than the others? And, and that's just not something we know. No, we don't know. But, but don't discount the possibility that whoever this killer is or killers are had not already cased this place on on a number of occasions uh and i'm not discounting that they may have actually known uh people uh, that lived in the house or or had encountered them or maybe followed them home from the grocery store which is one thing ted did he uh when he was developing victims he would they would be leaving a bar or or anything and he would just follow them home to see where they lived and then would start surveilling them if you want to use a cop term uh, as a possible likely uh, uh, a victim of what they wanted to do, which is, as I said earlier, fulfill a, uh, a fantasy. He had, there was, I can guarantee you, there was a fantasy here. He did not go in there because one of those girls owed him 50 bucks. Uh, it, it was, th- this was a violent, uh, I would go so far as to say, undoubtedly sexually motivated uh, uh, case. It's just that the the exact motivation is not as yet clear because we don't know what kind of condition the girls were in. Yeah, I I agree with you on that. And I also, that that brings me to my next point was, you know, you mentioned that person could or could have not have been at that house before, whether they knew who lived there, whether they just um, were on the outside looking in. Um, But this was a little bit of a party house. I mean, these are college students. There are people coming in and out of this place. Um, there was a prior tenant who came forward and, and said, you know, I could hear everything from the first floor to the third floor. It was an, it's an old creaky house. You can hear everything. And then someone else came forward and said, well, you know, I had roommates there at one point and I, you know, they would come in and out and I wouldn't hear anything. So it, it wouldn't be a surprise if that person, they, maybe they've actually even been in the home to know where well, these rooms are. I mean, that's the thing. We just don't know any of this. Well, precisely. And when I spoke with Ted about a, a, a case that was not the Kamega case, um, uh, but it was an, another uh, a, a night, if you will, a, a, uh, an invasion at night, uh, he led me to understand that what he, what he liked to do was to... to case the the joint is so to speak numerous times and it was a thrill for him to actually break into the place and and share some space with his intended victim and then leave and come back by leave i mean actually leave the house because what he is demonstrating to himself is how much power he had over this sleeping co-ed that at any instant he could snap his fingers and, and break her neck but he, being an all-powerful uh, serial killer, uh, w- walked away to come back another time to claim his prize. That's the way these guys think. Uh, so, uh, you know, this is this is very, very twisted psychology, uh, and and it's uh, I, it's a point of pride with me that I <laughs> that at, at some point I, I don't go any further with it because it's 
but it's the way they think. It's the way a sociopath, the way a, a serial killer uh, would think. It's not, uh, uh, it, and it makes perfect sense to them. Right, and I and I think I mentioned this when we were speaking um, at a time before. When it's hard to wrap your head around this, right? It's hard for the average person with rational thinking to to think who would come, you know, who would go into a house full of people at three and four o'clock in the morning and, and think that they can pull this off, right? Who's brazen enough for this? Um, and and yeah. so that's the. It's just yeah. It just kind of boggles the mind and. Um, you know, well, I, it's, you know, it's more common than you might imagine. I don't know if you remember back in the 1950s, there was that famous crime that uh, uh, the, the, the one in, in uh, the state of, of uh, Kansas. Uh, and it was a, a family, a farm family, the two ex-convicts. One of the two said, you know, there's a lot of money in that place. Let's go steal their money in the middle of the night. And when they got to the farmhouse, they found out there wasn't any money, but they killed everybody anyway, uh, took them one by one into their bedrooms and shot them. Uh, so the, the motive, the, the motive they allegedly went in was not the motive uh, <clears throat> that they went out with, was it? Uh, so there's that. Um, and there's also the, the, the whole part of it, the whole thinking about it is so different than a normal person thinks about things because they these guys certainly ted think of themselves as hunters they that that's what they do they are hunters and 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 attractive college co-eds uh are their are their uh uh big ticket games i mean you know games uh, that's what they're after they're not you know these are not guys who go out and and select, say, prostitutes uh, on the street. They're, they're, they want attractive young females, uh, as Ted did, and as whoever committed these crimes in Idaho did. Those girls were all quite pretty, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, all, yeah, all of them, um, and young, and um, yeah, like you said, it's just it's hard for the rational mind to really think of. You know, who's just going to do that? And, and, you know, and there has to be some, you know, okay, I'm going to say from from 3 to 4 a.m., this is when we know they're killed. So is this person either stalking them, following them, not knowing who they are? Maybe they've maybe they know who they are because they've they've watched the house before. Or yep. is this an actual targeted attack on one or multiple victims? I mean, it's got to be one or the other, right? I mean, would, there's no other. I mean, is there a, is there a third scenario? Either either this person didn't know them at all, or this person knew one or or multiple victims, um, and, and went after them specifically. So it's just. I really wish I knew what the police had. <laughs> I really, I, I, re- I want to know who was killed first. Like, because if they, if they, if that person goes in on the second floor, that means there are two women already sleeping on that floor, but right. not, but not the male. And, and if they're looking at the house and they're watching it, they're going to see the male go in. So do they go in looking for him first? So then he can do what he wants to do. I don't know. Well, he know. didn't, if you're, I mean, if we're going back again to the the the, the Bundy as the mm-hmm. the model of thing, he was not in that Cuyahoga house very long at all. 
uh, he committed a really violent set of, of uh, attacks on these girls, bashing them in. They were really the violence was was distinctive. There was huge amount of anger, and uh, we don't know what the violence was in in in. Uh, mm-hmm. In Idaho, we don't know, except that there was a, apparently a large knife. So that's you, you can't you can't judge from that because you don't know. Right. Um, but you know these guys, and when I say these guys, I mean serial killers. Although I will then add, but right now we've got a mass killing, but we don't know about any serial killings unless we find some other victims. Uh, is that they they do like to stalk they're stalkers um and they almost all of them without exception exhibit what are today called paraphilias they used to be called perversions and by paraphilias i mean things like peeping toms uh making uh uh phone calls scat scatological phone calls they call them um uh or or uh, exposing themselves on the street. Uh, there's a lot of different things. Necrophilia is a is a is a is is one uh, of these things. And, and Ted was a necrophiliac. He he had sex with dead bodies. That was one of the things that he wanted to do. So you know those are all possibilities here because uh, but we're dealing with an incomplete set of details and examining again for the sake of this conversation whether or not this looks like a Ted Bundy case. And, and my response is maybe, but don't take too many things for granted. So going back to Bundy and your conversations with him, by the way, you can, if you haven't seen the Bundy tapes, you can watch it on Netflix and, and see, and uh, see Steven on there talking to Bundy. You were with him 100 plus hours. Is that right? Is there 100 plus hours on tape? Uh, no, uh, the, I don't know how many hours are, are left on tape. Those tapes are, have seen a lot of miles since. Yeah, since oh my I, God, I know. So what, what were your, what, I want to know how you felt walking into that meeting. I think everybody would like to know that. What was it like sitting down with him? Well, um, the, just a little bit of background. The, the reason I was, I went to talk to him was that he had reached out to me through my agent saying that he was an innocent man, that he had been set up, and that if he could find a, a good reporter who would reinvest his case, reinvestigate his cases, uh, it would be it, he could show that he couldn't possibly have, have committed these crimes and that he should be let go. And in return for the reinvestigation, Ted would finally talk about what really happened, all the details of everything. And so I was highly dubious about that because serial killers and killers of all sorts are, are not known for their compulsive honesty. <laughs> so, um, but on, the, on the, 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 the possibility that A, he's telling the truth and we could actually disconnect him from one of those killings, uh, or B, prove he had killed one of those queens. Either way, Hugh Ainsworth, my partner, and I said, well, you're doing your job as a reporter. So it, uh, but I didn't go in there with this. Well, I, I uh, you know, I, I have a can't lose situation because I had to, I had to try to, to penetrate Bundy's uh, 
mask of sanity, as one psychiatrist has called it, because he was a sociopath. He had no guilt or, or felt no guilt or remorse for anything that he had done. He, in fact, was pretty proud of, of those killings. Uh, and he didn't really have, and from his perspective, any real reason to tell me the truth um, once he had me in there listening to him. So it was, it was quite a little mountain to climb until I, 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 in, in a sense, tricked him into saying, well, Ted, you, uh, you know more about this case than anybody because you're a suspect in all of these cases and you've seen all of the reports. You are a psychology major in college and you're very, very bright. So why don't you tell me what you think happened? And that's how my long experience with Ted got started, with Ted saying, oh, let me think about that now. And once I removed the, the, uh, the uh, confessional eye, did it, mm-hmm. Ted was, was happy to talk about it because he, he really loved reliving those, those cases. They, they were with him for the rest of his life. Well, and I also noticed when he was playing his own lawyer, like he did in court for himself, he wanted, yeah. he wanted, you know, the, the, the police officers, the people who actually saw these bodies, he wanted them to describe them out loud in court. Yes, he did. And yes, you could see the look on their faces. You could see the look on the faces of the people, you know, in the courtroom. It, it, it's like they almost knew what he was doing. It's like they almost knew that he just wanted to hear it. And then he would ask it again, right, in, in a different way. And, you know, there would be an objection and the, and the other attorney would say, well, you've already asked that question. You know, they've, they've already described it. So I just, you're, I mean, you're right. He just kind of relived it, speaking about it to you um, yep. in that third person. And then having people um, just kind of, you know, enjoying listening to what he had done which is just gave me goosebumps when I was when I was listening to him he just he was trying to rephrase it in different ways of just kept it, that's all he wanted to hear that's all he wanted to hear is how you found them what they look like how were they how were they positioned um it was it was quite quite eerie asking specific questions he wasn't it wasn't like he was trying to prove he could not have done it because the girl actually died from a, a 50 foot fall or something like that no, he did. He wanted to recreate what had happened to that woman in her bed as she was being murdered, and 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 everybody knew that he did it. He was, you know, it, it, with Ted, it was sort of his version of an elk hunter coming out of the mountains with you know with a eight hundred pound elk on your back, right? <laughs> Look what I, um, uh, except that his is it was deeply deeply perverted, um, and. Uh, uh, and was done, <clears throat> but was but was uh, but was essentially from his perspective an act of he was hunting. He thought of himself as a hunter, and his prize were these 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 attractive young college girls. You know, I think about when um when, whether it's um whether it's Ted Bundy or or other serial killers who have families. Or who have who are in dating relationships with with women, um, as a woman, you know, do you know why Ted didn't hurt or try to hurt the two women he had some sort of relationship with? Um, Liz being the main one because she she spoke about Ted and and instances and things that you know she should have probably paid attention to, but 
Do you know why they reserve that for certain people, but then they act out on others? Because this anonymity is important. Uh, Ted's not killing a person. He's killing an image. He's killing something that he, that, you know, that he wants. I mean, I can get a little bit deeper in here than you may want to go, but, but Ted, Ted felt that he was one of, one of society's losers and that he's that he was never going to uh he was despite the fact that he was intelligent well-spoken uh and attractive the women found him attractive he didn't see himself that way and and he, he there was a tremendous amount of anger that had built up from the time he hit puberty probably uh and it finally expressed itself in these these spasms of of of, uh, of violence against the very the very women he wanted to possess, and I, I'll add here that possess was a very uh, possession was a very a very specific term to Ted. And I said, "Well, how do you mean?" He says, "Because he wanted to possess these women the way." And this is a quote: "You would possess a a Porsche or a potted plant," uh, and this is also not to get too deep into it, but Ted was a necrophiliac and the most complete possession is the possession of a dead body, uh, which he did. Uh, and he, you know, he took off their heads and kept them in uh, a closet in his kitchen. Uh, that's possession. So, uh, you know, I, I think I said that at the start of this conversation, much of what I will tell you here doesn't compute because you're sane. <laughs> <laughs> I know. <laughs> I know. I'm just so, um, you know, just like we talked about the fascination around this and it's not yeah. now I want to say not fascination with him. I'm not fascinated by what he did. It's more of a fascination of the mind and, and what, you know, where and, 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 you know, what, you know, the first question is as a, as an average person looking from the outside in is, what happened to him, right? What happened to yeah. him in his childhood that made him want to do all of these things? And, you know, then you see his mother speak and, you know, they brought him to church. Um, now, I did find it interesting that he did find his birth certificate and he never knew who his father was. Is that right? That was a story told. The, the truth of Ted's situation was that his mother uh, was not married when Ted was born, she had Ted was uh, she carried the, him to term in a home for unwed mothers in Burlington, Vermont. And then I was going to and she had not identified his father and she was going to leave Ted there until her father said, no, you're not. You're going to take your son home with you. Uh, and then the situation, this was in the east on the East Coast in Philadelphia. And the situation for various reasons was was not supportable. So she moved to the West coast and for a while, um, uh, didn't talk about who Ted's father was. It just doesn't get, get discussed, but then she got married and had three other children, uh, all Ted's half siblings. And, um, they all told me that they all thought they're all younger than Ted. They all thought that Ted was his brother. There was never in the family day. Anybody said, what do you mean? Ted's not one of us. And, uh, uh, and Bundy told me that he did not recognize it, did not know uh, about his birth until he found his birth certificate when he was a teenager 
and said on the birth certificate it said the identity of the father was unknown and uh, i always thought that was a little fishy how you could be a teenager and not know the guy that you've called dad all your life is not your father i mean you know ted was five years old before his mother married uh, johnny bundy so what happened you know what happened to that part of the history yeah that's interesting um so after you started talking to Bundy and you, you did you go every day? Did you it, it, did you do this every single day? Did it take a while to get him to talk? Did you were there times where you just, you know, did you feel drained after all of this? How how and how long were you there? How long were you, how long did you take um and to speak with him? Was it months? Well, let me see. Let me I'll answer your question sort of in the order you asked them. Uh, so the uh, i went to the i went to the prison uh as a as an investigator for the um for his appeals attorneys at least that's what i said i was and i started uh interviewing him in january of 2000 i'm sorry january of 1980 and uh, and through the summer of 1980, when I couldn't handle it anymore, and gave it over to to Ainsworth to finish. So I I intermittently spent six months with him in prison. In the prison. So why did you have to hand it off? What was it? Just narcissism, constant narcissism? Was it just? It was too much, and, and it was also, I guess, it might have been unconsciously it's you know the kind of the old cliche of a good cop bad cop that i had not pressed ted very very hard i had listened and tried to guide him uh and hugh was a very different interviewer he was uh uh you know he would say stuff like well ted you have to explain this to me what what on earth kind of satisfaction you would you get out of doing something like that to a woman uh pretty straightforward and so in his conversations with 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 uh, Hugh Bundy Bundy got closer to acknowledging that he was really troubled <laughs> um, mm-hmm. he did not get a whole lot closer to actually saying I did it but he you know he had been with me for like six months and we had gone very very deep very deep into his personality over that period of time and Hugh Hugh, Hugh did his did a good job with him because he said, "Okay, now you've talked to Michaud. Now you're going to talk to me, and it's going to be different." Um, so that was it, it. Was partially planned, partially just the the logical thing to do. Uh, I got yeah, I was thoroughly sick of it. I mean, I, uh, listening listening to him talk about what he had done with this complete dispassion in his voice, uh, uh, and and. and I mean, I didn't even. I mean, I didn't even stop to say. Well, didn't you ever stop to think that this was a human being? And um, because I, I was kind of hobbled because I couldn't get it into. I couldn't say you. I would have to say him, right? The mm-hmm. third person. Uh, so Ted says, "Well, I'm talking about somebody else. I don't know what you're talking about, Stephen." So, uh, but then we would get into it, and he said, "Well, the the about how the." the anger would grow over the years and the images that he had available to him in a, in a suburban neighborhood, uh, nurtured, uh, 
these feelings. They weren't the reason for those feelings. I'm not saying that Ted did it because pornography made him do it, but he did read pornography because it helped him shape his fantasies. Uh, and that's where that was, that's where that was all about. So yeah, it was, it, it was hard. It was six months, uh, off and on, um, sometimes every day of the week. Sometimes I just hung around, um, uh, you know, hung around the neighborhood and, uh, mm-hmm. drank a lot of scotch and ate cheeseburgers waiting for Ted to get ready. Um, one other thing I, w- I was, um, thinking about when I was watching the Bundy tapes is the mental illness side of Ted. Um, there, there was some talk that people believed he was insane. There was other talk that, you know, he was completely rational and knew the difference between right and wrong and knew what he was doing. And then um, there was a time in the show where he, he's getting read the, his verdict, right? He's, he's about to go to prison and he just yeah. sort of has this look on his face. It's almost like he left his body for a second. I mean, I don't know. He, he's sort of staring off and, and not making any sort of facial expression. Do you think there was an underlying illness that was now I do know. Um, I think, wasn't it later on? They said he was bipolar or, possibly bipolar what were did you ever think that speaking to him did you ever think there was an underlying mental illness or did you think he was just a complete psychopath well okay he had personality disorders psychopathy is one of them uh, he was had anti-person uh, anti-social personality disorder but it's not considered a um it's not considered a mental illness. It's a personality disorder. And it's, uh, it's a distinction that, that professionals make when they're diagnosing these guys. Uh, so, uh, and to make that a little clearer, Ted may very well have had psychotic breaks when he was attacking his victims. Uh, some of the evidence from Chi Omega is, is shows so much violence that, that he may really had have slipped uh, slipped there for a while um uh, but in terms of the kinds of of psychic breaks that you have associate for example with schizophrenia or or those kinds of things that those are those don't characterize the kind of mental issues that he had um i uh, i don't i think i ever thought about ted uh, as being crazy or not crazy. Um, I thought of him functionally, you know, what he did mm-hmm. and what was that all about rather than, you know, trying to be, a, a, you know, trying to diagnose him or whatever. I mean, I certainly studied sociopathy mm-hmm. uh, and I, and I studied personality disorders and I, and I went to a lot of very smart people who have studied these guys for a long, long time. And one of the lessons I learned uh, from one of the experts was there are two <clears throat> there's two personality issues that these guys almost all share one is paranoia uh, they're, they're they don't trust anybody uh, they're very paranoid uh, and they're they're narcissistic um, they <clears throat> they're uh, they're they are there's it's a, it's a it's a sick form of self love, I guess you could you could call it. But when when you when you have a guy like Bundy in court, you see the narcissism 
um, when he wants he wants to handle uh, the questioning because he wants to be the focus in the courtroom, right? He doesn't want to have other people talking about him. He wants to have people talk him talking about himself. Uh, when it comes to the, the paranoia, he didn't trust anybody. Not to uh, he thought everybody was out to get him. Um, and those two those two disorders actually can you know could make you a pretty good killer for a while because you uh you don't trust you know you're very distrustful uh and you're you're very careful at, at taking taking chances at the narcissist narcissist side but when you get into court they're not your they're not your friends anymore because you put on a performance that nobody in that you know could ever uh mistake or anything other than you talking about what the hell you did and 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 reveling in it in front of an audience do you know how many of his victims have not been found no no idea the 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 question about how many women ted killed uh will never be solved um the and and the answer to it which is not available, it probably never will be, is how old he was when he started killing. The The earliest dates that have been established that, that there's not any question about are in the early 1970s uh, when Ted was in himself, who was in his early, early 20s. Um, however, serial killers, some serial killers have begun as early as age 14 or 15. If that were the case with Ted, then his total number of kills could be at three figures. But the accepted number, for want of any better information, is probably 30 or 40 uh, young women over time. Across six states that we know of, um, and 30 to 40. Okay. Um, Going back to the Idaho um, murders, I know... You know, we don't, especially on this show, we, we like to, we, I like to stick with the facts and what we know. And the, and the fact is, is that there's a lot of stuff we don't know. Um, so guessing, theorizing, um, you know, it, those are a little bit of dangerous waters sometimes. So I, we're not going to go there. <laughs> we're not going to go there. But I would yeah. like, I would like just your insight on um, wh- what, it, who are the police dealing with in this? Can can you give us a little insight on who, what kind of person, what kind of person could they possibly be dealing with based on the crime? I don't know enough to answer that. Um, you know, it it does not look like some guy was walking down the street at four o'clock in the morning, whistling to himself, and said, "You know, that house is packed full of really pretty girls. I don't think I'll go in and kill a bunch of them." Um, it's you know, there's. There's, there's a lot there's a lot that goes into these crimes um, and I don't know you know I don't know if I could paint you a picture of a guy who was most likely you know or could be likely to have committed these these murders um, or even if he was alone right that you know, maybe there, there maybe there's is more than one person there who knows um, but uh, you know they uh, they're they obviously were in extremis. Okay, you uh, whatever it was, whatever fantasy 
they were following or whatever anger they had, whatever it was, was really powerful because it took, you know, a normal person would say, I'm not taking chances like that. Right. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I mean, that's not, it's not a normal thing to do, but you'll find all kinds of stories in the literature of guys taking on those kinds of, of, of taking those kinds of risks um, because they're so powerfully motivated um, by their hatred or their, their paraphilias, you know, whatever they are. Um, and uh, they, you know, they <clears throat> back to Ted, he wanted to possess these women uh, like they were a, a potted plant or a or Porsche. Yeah. And almost like, um, and again, we don't know, we just don't know much about what happened to the victims. I mean, we know they were stabbed. They, they said no sexual assault, but it doesn't mean this crime wasn't sexually motivated in some way. There's just, we just don't know. We don't know who was killed first, how many stab wounds each victim took. If, you know, there's, there's just a lot of questions um, around this, but, but I agree with you. I don't think somebody's just walking by and is bored and has a knife, a, a hunting knife, by the way, which th is the way they've described it. Um, yeah. And just happens to, um, you know, have nothing else better to do than go into a house with six people and take the lives of four of them. Um, it's very brazen. Um, so, you know, I, I'd be interested to see what um, what other things start to come up. And, you know, they're, they're interviewing ex-boyfriends. They're interviewing professors at the university. There's, there's something that came out about one of the, you know, somebody hiring someone to do this and someone comes on TikTok and, and it's just, it's, it gets into dangerous waters when people start um, no, it, throwing no. information, right? Throwing information out there for, for other people to listen to and to see. And then they start coming up with their own conclusions. I mean, it's, um, uh, like I told, like I mentioned to you, I'm I'm in these different groups that the people, you know, Reddit and people discussing this crime, and the fact is, is we only know what we know. Um, so, so where is this information coming? Are people just making this up, or, or, or is there someone reputable that they watch on YouTube, right? That's now coming out with a video about their theories. Um, but it's a, um, it's a case that I hope. Uh, it gets solved. Do you, and, and can I, can I ask that? Do you think this case will be solved? Um, the, there have been, a, I mean, it, there, it's, an, it's an unusual case, right? I mean, we're, you know, mm -hmm. we have to start with that. Um, but, you know, they, these really, really transcendently horrible mass or serial killers, serial killings, do in time get solved they seem to i can't think of i can't think of a killing now of, of a known serial killing a series series of serial killings uh uh or of uh of mass killings if you want to call it that too that that went on on uh went unsolved eventually uh i will add one thing though here and i and i I imagine it because it's important, you know, if, if you really want to try to understand these guys um, and, you know, I, frankly, I, I think you should give it up because it's too gross to, <laughs> to play. But I, my, one of my mentors is, was the late, um, uh, uh, late FBI profiler, um, 
uh, was a late profiler. And um, I asked him one time this this question about sex. And I said, you know, uh, it, it just, I'm sorry, I didn't I left his name. I was Roy, Roy Hazelwood. I wrote a couple of books with Roy. And I said, you know, you've taken me through some really weird stuff here, Roy, you know, the, you know, the years that we've been working together. And I, and, uh, I said, you know, no way I would call a lot of what you've shown me and what we've studied together sex. Right. Mm -hmm. And he said, well, Stephen, the important thing to remember is that it's what he calls sex. It's not what you call sex. Okay. (laughs) Um, and it was kind of one of the more chilling things that Roy ever said to me. Uh, but it's true. I mean, it's what they call sex, not us. Yep. And I was just thinking that I just got goosebumps on my left arm when you said that. But it's true. It's, yeah. you know, why did Bundy take the heads? Yeah. yeah. I mean, why? Yeah. To, yeah. To, to not have to look at the victim while he's doing that? Was it, no, pri- you know, was it prior to the necrophilia that he would cut the head? Like, the, I, I don't know. I mean, well, why do that? It's not here to give us an answer. <laughs> yeah, I and I am going to be part of trying to summon him back. I'll tell you that. <laughs> no, 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 no. He's uh, yeah. Well, and, and speaking of that, I, you know, I mentioned to you before the, and, and by the way, friends, if you haven't gone to watch the Bundy tapes, you should. I learned, um, like I told you, I did not know that Bundy had escaped from jail twice, prison twice. Um, was it only twice? Uh, yeah. Okay. He, uh, he, he tried twice and he got away twice, but he got caught twice. But the second time he got caught was because he was because of Kai Omega. I mean, that's, yeah. that's the crime that led to his final arrest. Uh, and then the, and then the, at the same time, the, the 12 year old girl that he, he killed, uh, at about two or three days later. That's why it's, it's so close to what happened in, in, uh, um, in Idaho with a, a a mass killing that looks like perhaps it's part of a serial uh, case. And all of a sudden the 12 year old girl uh, is missing and lo and behold, Ted did it. So there you go. Well, and something else about these guys and um, I mean, Ted, Ted always, I mean, I, I do believe that the reason his name even came up in the first place was because somebody overheard him having a conversation with one of his victims and introducing himself as Ted. And I think that's how they, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, but I thought that's how his name even came up in the first place. No last name, just the name Ted with a sketch artist um, and and what this person looked like. Uh, Do you think if there's one person in the Idaho murder, if we're dealing just with one perpetrator, are they more, are they, they keep to themselves. They don't say anything. They don't tell anyone. You you know, we always say somebody knows something, right? Somebody, nobody can keep quiet. They're always going to tell somebody, you know, it's just that one tip that needs to come forward, you know, uh, overhearing something at a party or, but, but these guys, I mean, he didn't start telling really any information, admitting any guilt until he wanted more time um, to live, right? He didn't want to die and, and when his death sentence was coming up. So no, that's entirely correct. He spoke with me mm-hmm. about it some years before he, he started his actual his actual uh, 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 confessions 
Because mm-hmm. he, I mean, I, my contribution was that it was clear to me that Ted wanted to talk about it. We just had to figure out a way to let, you know, to do it. Um, mm-hmm. But uh, Ted, Ted, Ted was never, was never a victim of, of loose lips. He never gave anything away like that. And I'll, I'll give you an example of, from what you just said about him introducing himself as Ted. Um, Bundy's, Bundy's crimes spree, if you want to call it that, began where he was, where he was raised in the Northwest. And in the middle of the 1970s, he went one day to, uh, one Sunday afternoon to a local lake where he, uh, abducted and murdered two girls, two young women, uh, who were later found pretty close to each one of the buried, uh, out in the woods. Uh, but there were witnesses, uh, the cops talked to to women and said, did anybody approach you to that day at the, at the, uh, 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 at the lake? And, if so, can you give me a, a description of him? And there were uh, three or four descriptions that that were pretty good. I mean, it was they were able to do us a, a produce a, a, a sketch that looked sort of like Ted. Um, but the, the the part that was kind of interesting about it is that one of the girl, one of the women who 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 remembered him, said specifically remembered him saying that his name was Ted. And that, and she had, it, Ted wouldn't have meant anything to her except that it was a very unusual name for the Northwest. It's not, a, it, she didn't think of it as a, a West Coast name. She thought he may have been from Canada or he may have even been British um, because it had a little bit of an accent to it. Um, and that's why she remembered it. Interesting. So, yeah. And, you know, and I, you know, if you want to dig into the Ted story, Ted, went east uh, early on in his killing spree and took acting lessons in Philadelphia um, <clears throat> and learned how to use makeup uh, and learned how to uh, and, and to do things with his voice. So, I mean, you know, this was all practical information as far as he was concerned, right? Wow. I didn't realize that that's why she just had the name in her head. Was that yeah. it was an unusual? It's very interesting. It meant nothing at the time. She said it. Ted meant nothing to anybody except his girlfriend, who said, "You know, I wonder why Ted hasn't been showing up as much as he used to." Sort of thing. And it, you know, it it, it was a thread, but it it wasn't fatal to him. It just was something that later, you know, put together with a lot of other stuff, pointed to Ted. Right? Yeah. Um. Well, I encourage everyone to go watch the Bundy tapes. Um. It was very interesting. I learned um, a lot. And um, Stephen, it was great to see you on there and knowing that you've been on this show. So I really appreciate you being here. Is there anything else you wanted to add either about the Idaho murders or or Ted? Uh, no, but don't. Uh, not right now. I think we pretty well covered it. But don't forget Robert's story. It's for sale all over Texas. And it's a great story. So uh, uh, and since I do write books for a living, I'd love to see somebody go out and buy a couple copies. How about that? Yes, please. I have already done that. So I have my copy. Everyone, I right. and I got mine off of Amazon. So you can right. um, get them off of Amazon. Um, is there anywhere else people can look for those? Is Amazon the best place to find it? 
Amazon is the probably the the simplest for most people. Barnes and Noble bookstores carry them. Yeah. Uh, and if you're, you know, if this conversation has prompted you to say, God, I wonder what Nisho had to say about Bundy and his two books about him. Uh, you can, they're still for sale. You can, you can also buy them. Stephen, I hate uh, to admit this to you, but I literally have printed out all of the cover, like all of your books, and I'm just <laughs> marking which ones that I'm reading next. So um, I had like a stack of them when I received Robert when uh, the book about Roberts. But um, yeah, I, you have written some. Fa- I mean, I am just. I have to say, I'm. If you're a reader out there and you want to read some good stuff, look at Stephen Michaud. And let me. I I, I want to make sure that people have your name right. The last name is M I C H A U D. So if you're googling him please um spell it correctly so you can find all of these these um great books and you're fascinating and it's always fun to talk to you so again thank you thank you so much for being here i really appreciate it likewise brandy it was uh, the conversation went a bit longer than i thought um but uh i'm known uh, for that <laughs> yeah. well it's up to you that you know to do with it as you wish but i okay. Um, you know, there's there's some useful information. It's not just the shock value of this, uh, because right. there is an unsolved murder murders going, you know, right now, an investigation mm-hmm. happening up in Oregon or Oregon. <laughs> I, I grew up around that area and I still I can't get all the states straight. Grew up in in, uh, in I'm sorry, in uh, Idaho. Mm-hmm. And um, so, you know, if they come if some part of the population has heard about this, maybe, you know, who knows, but something may, may pop somewhere and say, I know, or I have a thought or whatever. Yeah. Uh, and otherwise, maybe some woman will not say, you know, I don't think I will have a drink with that guy <laughs> and, and, yeah. uh, and, and wake up alive the next morning. That's right. And, you know, there are, I read that there are over 19,000 tips that the police are yeah. now going through. Yeah, um, and yeah. they don't want to miss one. You know, they talked to it. Uh, that was mentioned on, on with Bundy is there's tips coming in and you don't want to, you don't want to miss it. What it, what if it, that could be the one? So I know police have their hands full. I know that, um, uh, they are keeping tight lipped about this, but probably for very good reason. And, um, I, I do hope that they, that they find, um, the person or persons, um, that did this and, and start to give the family, um, a little bit of peace and the community, you know, I know there's a concern is this person, you know, that we know this person could be just walking around and, um, you know, they just don't know why this happened. And, and until that's answered, um, you know, you can't help but, but think that the community um, and students, right, um, are, are being a little bit more reserved uh, during this time. So I, I hope they, they get some answers. I just, you know, I, if I were a cop up there, I, you know, I would be thinking about what Keppel said about trying to catch serial killers. He said, you know, <clears throat> in his experience, that um, you probably have met the killer if he's a serial killer. You, if you're a cop, uh, an investigator, you've probably already met the guy a, a month into the investigation. You just don't know which of the guys that you've interviewed is the actual killer. That's a, it's a very chilling thing to think about, right? Yeah. Well, um, thank you again, Stephen. And you know what? If we start to see updates, um, we should we should come back on and, and give this to our listeners. So um, I hope you do come back um, and 
Thank you again, everyone. Please check out his book, Stephen Michaud. Um, he's got a lot of great content out there. And um, Stephen, thanks again. And we will um, we'll get together soon, if, if that's okay with you. Absolutely. Stay in touch. I will. I will. All right. Thanks, everyone. Um, we'll see you next week on Texas Wine and True Crime. Good night. Bye-bye.